Wow. It's a good-looking group for the most part. Good-looking group for the whole part, the whole part. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to James. James chapter 1. James is the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. They are experiencing a, a famine that has resulted in an economic crisis. And James is trying to help them through the crisis. You ever had a crisis? He's already said a few things to them. Number one, he says, when you're experiencing the pain of the crisis, not only recognize the pain, but expand your vision to see what God is doing in your crisis that He wouldn't do any other way. There are things God does in your crisis that He does not do any other way or in any other place. Second, He said it doesn't do any good to blame anybody, including God. And then He picks up with verse 19 with some wise counsel for the worst crises. My dear brothers, take note of this. That means listen up. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself righteous and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. When you're in an economic crisis, well, let's just expand it. When you're in a crisis, what do you do? How do you respond? What should be the Christian reaction to a crisis, especially an unexpected crisis? In these verses, as I've looked at them closely and as you looked at them, look at them closely, I believe that the one thing above anything else that James is saying to us is use a crisis as an opportunity to listen. In particular, use the crisis as an opportunity to listen to God. This is a message that is woven throughout Scripture. In fact, the very first and most important commandment of the Shema, which is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, says this. Hear, say that. 
Hear, O Israel. Listen. That's the first commandment, really. It's the first thing that he says to us. So James is saying, in your crisis, while you're experiencing your pain, and don't deny it, just experience it, own up to it, embrace it. And as you're looking at your crisis to see how God is working in ways that he would never work otherwise, and as you quit spending time blaming God or blaming others and just use this time productively, he says, take the time in your crisis to listen. You know what I've found in my own life? I'm the worst listener in my worst crisis. Somehow, I make the mistake of allowing my crises to stop up the ears of my heart and my mind and to keep me from listening. I become distracted. In fact, that's one of three things that I believe James is going to tell us here, that distractions can keep me from listening to God. And James lists three different distractions. First, he says, when I am talking, I'm not listening. I've noticed that. You ever been in an argument with your spouse or one of your children and everybody's shouting at the same time? Guess how many people are listening? That'd be a big old egg right there. You see that? When I'm talking, I'm not listening. He says, take note of this, brothers. Be swift to hear, slow to what? Speak. When I am talking, I'm not listening. And let's just be blunt. Some of us here, and I'll include myself in this group, we don't like to listen. We like to talk. We like to be the ones doing the talking. But for those of us in this group that you and I are in, talking keeps me from listening. When I'm talking, I'm not Listening. When I'm angry, I'm not listening. He says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Because the anger of men does not produce the righteous life that God desires for you to have. If I'm angry, I'll tell you, I'm not listening. Especially, I'm not listening to God. When I'm engaged in sin, I am not Listening. Verse 21, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and instead humbly accept the word. Distractions keep me from listening to God. The second thing that James says in these verses is this. Listening involves not only hearing, but also doing. In fact, James contends that we haven't really heard Effectively, until we are acting upon what we have heard. He says in verse 22, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves, but do what the Word says. What is the Word? It's God speaking to us. How many of us have had somebody give us advice? They've told us something. Maybe our parents told us something very important. And we heard it. Will you do this? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I'll do it. Are you sure you're going to do it? Yeah. You promise me you'll do it? Yeah. And we go out the door and we don't do it. And we come back and I remember my mom saying, did you not hear 
a word that I said? Well, sure I did, Mom. No, you didn't, because you didn't do what I said. He says, don't be listeners only. If you do, you're deceiving yourselves. Instead, act on what God says. So listening involves not only hearing, but it involves doing. He says this, he says, a person who listens but doesn't really do anything about it, he says he's kind of like a person who goes in the bathroom early in the morning and he looks in the mirror and he sees that things are not quite right with the way he looks, but he turns right around and he goes on anyway. I see these graduates and my heart starts melting. Because naturally, I think about my own kids, and I know some of you parents, you're going through a whole roller coaster of emotions right now. You, you, you wonder where all the time has gone, and, and you think about those times when, when, when that little girl used to sit on daddy's, la- daddy's knee, or, or that little boy used to come up and, and, and hug mom, and, and of course he still does it, and she still does it now, but it's not quite as frequent as it used to be. And then he or she's gone, and you're kind of glad they're gone. And then you're kind of not glad they're gone. And it's just, it's really, it's really a tough time for a parent. I remember when uh, one of our kids was young, and I had gotten up on a Sunday morning, and I had gotten dressed, suit, tie, I was ready, rip-rearing to go. Bible in hand, sermon on the heart. I was ready to rip into some folks, man. And I was holding Zach. And I was about ready to go, and I took him and, and uh, had him doing something else. And right before I was about to go, I ran into the bathroom, and I looked, and he had spit up all over the lapel of my coat. And I didn't know it. I didn't know it. I know I should have known it. But you have to remember, I'm a man, and man, we men just don't see things. You know what I'm saying? The ladies know it. They're nodding everything. The guys are saying, no, no, no. He'd spit up all over my jacket. I could have gone out. And somebody else would have noticed it. Or I could have gone and looked in the mirror and seen it and said, Ah, nobody's going to notice this big old glob of spit up right here. <laughs> Besides, I've got enough, you know, smell them stuff to cover it over. Let me just rub it in a little bit. Rub it in, rub it in. You know, that kind of thing. But I couldn't do that. Listen, if we're going to listen to what God is saying, we have to do what God says. And doing what God says means we look into the mirror of His Word, of His voice to us, and we hear what He says, and we do what He says, and we change jackets if we need to. Distractions keep me from listening to God. Listening to God involves not only hearing, but also doing. And then third, God speaks in a variety of ways. Ladies and gentlemen, he speaks through your pain. He whispers in the good times, but let me tell you, God is shouting to you in your crisis. When the bottom falls out from under you, God lifts up the decibels of his message to you. In fact, at the very times that I've thought God was AWOL and silent, God was screaming at Jimmy Orr. God speaks through our pain. Second, God speaks through our silence. You know what what I need more in my life right this very moment? I've I've been self-examining here lately, and 
The one thing that I need more than anything right now, I need to be silent before God. I need to get alone without a TV, without a fan running, without a radio on, without a headphone in my ear, and maybe even just take out my hearing aids and just unplug them and sit them by the side and sit down in total raw, dark silence and say, God, you've got my attention. Speak to me and just wait there, no matter how long it takes. God speaks through your pain. God speaks through your silence. God speaks through His Word. Do I have to even say that to you, that God speaks through His Word, the Bible? I mean, you can't read a passage of Scripture if you, if you read it in the, in the silence and you read it in the darkness and, and you just read it and then sit there and close your eyes and digest and meditate and think upon it. You can't read a passage of God's Word without God saying something. I mean, how many times have you picked up even a passage of Scripture that you may have read hundreds of times before and you read it and, and you don't just rush through it like, like oh, well, I'm going to read through this, but I know I've got 10 other things I've got to do within the next five minutes. Not that kind of... I'm just talking about reading God's Word and then just closing it. And God pulls out maybe a single word or a phrase or a little verse. You've read it before. It didn't seem to catch your attention at any of the other times before, but this time something about it, God says, you see that word? Do you see that your name's on that word? God speaks through our pain, our silence, through His word, and God speaks through service opportunities. I know people who are out of work. In fact, one out of every 11 Georgians is out of work. And I was talking to a guy the other day, and I was asking him how the job search was going. And he said, well, he says, I've, I've sent uh, applications, filled out applications. I've sent out resumes. I've been making phone calls. And I said, how, how, do you, uh, how do you discern what God is doing in your life at this time? And he says, well... Right now, God is speaking to me through every single opportunity. Every single open door to the church. One of the churches in the Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, he says, Behold, I set before you an open door, and no one can open it, nobody can close it. If you will go through it, I will sup with you. God speaks through opportunities. To our graduates, boy, what a great time to be a graduate. It really is. I know we're in a crisis, but what a great time to be young. Here I am, I can, whenever I was 18 years old, I could turn my ankle at 9 o'clock in the morning, it'd be totally well and the swelling be gone by 6 o'clock that evening. I turned my ankle three weeks ago and I'm still limping from the blame thing. Boy, what a great time to be young. And the opportunities that are before you. Make sure that you closely examine those opportunities to see which one is the voice of God. And with everything you have, ladies and gentlemen, with everything you have, when you discern that a singular opportunity is the voice of God, by all means, knock that door down. Christian spirituality, Eugene Peterson said, does not begin with us talking about our experience. 
It begins with listening to God call us, heal us, forgive us. Hear this. Contrary to what many of us believe, we are not meant to be heard. We are meant to hear. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, this has been a momentous service. We have worshipped You and lifted up Your holy name in worship and song. We have celebrated the milestone accomplishment of young men and women in our church who are graduating from high school and college. We have heard Your Word say to us, Listen, take note of this, hear ye, O Israel. Lord, we've been, we've been made aware of the indispensable need to listen to the voice of our God. Lord, help us to realize that we are not put here to be heard. We're put here to listen and to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen.